Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is brought to you exclusively by the RNR Podcast Network. Welcome to the flagship edition of the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. A hard hitting, in depth, cutting-edge look into the world of professional wrestling. Now, let's introduce your host, Red Rob, Rob Francois. Hey guys, welcome back to the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. This is the flagship. It's episode number 122. I'm your host, Rad Rob, Rob Francois. I hope everybody's doing well all around the world. Cases of COVID seem to be spiking up. Uh, thoughts and prayers go out to my business partner, my buddy, Richie Reardon. Uh, apparently his mom has contracted COVID-19 and possibly pneumonia as well so uh, please send your well wishes and thoughts and prayers out to uh, to the Reardon family during this tough time uh, there's been many many cases of it uh, in Texas and Florida spiking up with the reopening and summertime and everyone's getting out of the house and it was to be expected uh, but hopefully it doesn't get much worse and hopefully we don't lose any more, lose any more lives because of it it's been another crazy week in the world of wrestling. Uh, there's been more names to come out as part of the hashtag Speaking Out movement. That's uh, even gone as far as hitting the gaming community, which I'm a big part of as well. Many, many streamers have been either banned or have been accused of sexual misconduct. A lot of streamers have stepped down. Uh, it's a crazy time right now. It's, it's obviously... A, you know, it, it started in the, the entertainment industry, the, the movie business, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, but it happens in all walks of life. And more and more people are being brave enough to come out and speak out now, which is a good thing. We'll get into that a little bit later in the news, as well as COVID mania running wild in the WWE. 
I'll touch on that as well in the news desk. But first, before we get to the news, let's kick off the show as we always do. Going to tell you what I liked and what I didn't like about this week's of wrestling shows with the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's now time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Starting off on Monday Night Raw, uh, it was another pretty good show, actually. And we start off with some good, which I want to play for you right now. Our current WWE champion, Drew McIntyre, made his way out to the ring. Uh, WWE was promoting Monday night as Championship Monday. There was three championship matches. And he was talking about you know what could possibly be next for him. And he was interrupted by this man. You were here, Drew. Years ago, you were here, and you got fired. You should have been done, and you would have, if it wasn't for Dolph Ziggler. You were at your lowest point, the lowest of the low. And I picked you up, and I brought you here. You came to Monday Night Raw because of me. You and I went on to become dominant tag team champions because of me. And now, you are the dominant WWE champion. Stop. Because of me. Now I know you need a challenger for Extreme Rules. And all I ask... All I ask in return is what I am owed. A WWE title match. All I want. But let's look at you, Dolph. You know, since we split apart, hasn't exactly been smooth sailing now, has it? Without Big Daddy Claymore here watching your back, you've been losing a whole lot. I want you to hear this part. It's not because you're untalented. That couldn't be further from the truth. But buddy, you've become exactly what we used to despise. You have become an entitled jackass. You think the world owes you something when it doesn't. But you're right. I need an opponent for extreme rules. We've got so much history together. You once gave me a nickname. The Scottish Psychopath. For what I'm capable of in this ring. Can you imagine? Picture this one. Imagine what I'm capable of With this championship on the line, what I will do to you and how far I'll go. Do you really want this match? Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, who apparently 
I don't think Robert's injured. He may be staying home due to the pandemic, but uh, they were traded to Raw for AJ Styles. So Dolph Ziggler confronted Drew McIntyre and said, you know, based on their history, that Drew owes him one. And Drew's like, yeah, that's fine, man. You know, <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Uh, but this is a pretty good promo. And Dolph, Dolph's been great for so many, many years. And Drew is really coming into his own as well. So I enjoyed that little segment between the two. The other good was uh, finally <laughs> getting the match that we were supposed to get a backlash. Uh, for the WWE Raw Tag Team Championships, the champions, the Street Profits, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, defending their titles against Eric and Ivar of the Viking Raiders uh, in a really good match. And the Street Profits got the win in the end. So uh, I'm guessing their little feud is over. I don't know if they're going to do any more work together uh, since they're being called the the Viking Profits, I believe it was. Um, After the match... Angel Garza and Andrade attacked the Street Profits until the Raiders made the save. So it looks like that may be the next contenders for uh, the Tag Team Champions, that being Angel Garza and Andrade as the new challengers. So that should be uh, very entertaining to watch. And, man, let me tell you, the greatest thing of this show was the frog splash that Montez Ford hit, um, which was amazing. Like I've never seen anybody get so high jumping off the top rope before. I mean, he had to be 10, 15 feet up in the air. I mean, higher than Superfly, higher than RVD, higher than Eddie. It was pretty pretty incredible to watch. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. I also enjoyed the women's championship match, the Raw Women's Championship match between Asuka, the champion, and Charlotte Flair, finally getting a a one-on-one match that they've been kind of advertising the last couple of weeks and got broken up one way or another with run-ins and stuff like that. But uh, Asuka had a pretty good defense against Charlotte and made Charlotte tap out to the Asuka lock. Uh, So that's a big win for Asuka to kind of get that monkey off her back and get a nice one-on-one win against Charlotte Flair, who I don't think she's ever beaten Charlotte one-on-one before. Um, so that was that was good stuff. Rounding out the good stuff here, I enjoyed the promo that Edge had, which I'm going to play for you right now. I saw Raw last week, and I said, okay, Randy's now calling himself the greatest wrestler ever because he won the greatest wrestling match ever. Shout it from the mountaintops, man. Put it on a T-shirt. Hats, buttons, bed sheets, boxer shorts, 
hand-to-hand pinatas, whatever you need to do, because obviously beating me means that much in your world. Whereas mine, beating you is what I expect. So I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed I didn't see the low blow coming. Hell, I'm disappointed that I didn't do it first. But that's not going to happen again. The second you hit that punt, when you painted Jay into a corner and you questioned his guts, his manhood, when you know he's not medically cleared to wrestle and hasn't wrestled a match in six years, and then you punted him, He has been my best friend for 36 years before the rest of the world knew him as Christian. He has walked with me through every trial and tribulation in my life. So when you did that, you put the the PG superstar who's been walking around here just happy and ecstatic to finally be back doing what he loves to do when you put that guy to bed. See, I don't care about winning a wrestling match now, Randy. I'm going to embarrass you. Emasculate you. Make you wish Cowboy Bob was firing blanks on the night you were conceived. When you come home, your kids are going to come running up to you. But they're going to stop. They're going to see that look in your eye and say, Dad, are you okay? And you won't be. When you go to hug Kim at night, you can't look her in the eyes and she can't look you in the eyes because you both know what's coming. I know. I know you've got voices in your head, but join me into the chorus. I'm going to be screaming louder than all of them. I will seep into every aspect of your life and infect it. Tear your life apart brick by brick from the inside. You have no idea what you've done. You woke up the evil. You woke up the rated R superstar. Get some sleep while you can, Randy. Edge is always great, and so is Randy. They're both doing the best stuff of their career. Sucks that Edge got hurt in their taping uh, of that match and backlash. Um, he should be out somewhere about six to eight months on the conservative side. He, he could come back before. We'll see. Uh, and, but I'm, I'm thinking they're going to have one more match to uh, to kind of end that feud. But I, I could be wrong on that one. But that really sucks. Uh, completely sucks for Edge. The bad. That would be Nia Jax. <laughs> Uh, after the opening match, Nia Jax 
made her way to the ringside with a steel chair in hand, said that she was not leaving until she gets what she wants. Charlotte Flair got exactly what she wanted by facing Asuka, but Nia said that she was cheated out of her title shots at Backlash and last week's Raw. Uh, and then our truth comes out to interrupt her, which was funny. I mean, just watching Truth do his whole What's Up song and all that, and then comes in the ring, but then uh, Akira Tozawa shows up at ringside and starts yelling and screaming, and then Charlotte Flair came down to interrupt that, and Flair said that Nia squandered her, her title shots, and uh, it was just, it was a cluster, man. It was too much going on in one segment. Uh, I, I didn't care for it at all. I didn't enjoy the Liv Morgan versus Natty match, especially because Lana was involved. Uh, not a good match. Really getting tired of seeing Natty around, and Lana is absolutely uh, atrocious. I also haven't really enjoyed the stuff between Ray and Dominic Mysterio and Seth Rollins and his stable. Um, I, I don't know. Until I see Dominic wrestle, I'm just not sold on him. Nothing about him other than just being Ray's son is, you know, wows me at all. But uh, I'm assuming this is going to lead to some kind of a match at Extreme Rules. Uh, but they had a segment here with Ray and Dominic coming out to the ring and Ray talked about Dominic's attack on Seth last week and how afraid he was for his safety and how mad he was at him for, for doing it, but then saying he was proud at the same time. Ray says it's his turn to fight for Dominic and said that he wants to get revenge on Seth, and, and Dominic says, no, nah, man, I'm not leaving you. I'm not, not leaving your side. We're in this together, and Murphy and Austin and Theory came, and Rollins came, uh, Mur- Murphy, Theory, and Rollins came out to try to attack uh, Ray and Dominic, and then Umberto Carrillo and Alistair Black came out to to even the odds uh, as as the show went off the air. So that that segment fell short for me. Uh, the ugly, uh, which I'm it's going to be the ugly every week, and it's Bailey and Sasha Banks. I'm getting tired of seeing them as tag team champions. I'm getting tired of seeing them on TV. I think they need to fight each other. I'm not digging the stuff they're doing. Is claiming to be the the greatest tag team ever, whether it be men or women. Uh, which they're not because they're just not that good. Um, and they had a match with the Iconics, who I can't absolutely can't stand. Uh, and this match was 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 pretty bad. Uh, Bailey and Sasha retained their titles, but I uh, yeah no no more. I, I can't I can't take any more of them. Uh, so that's the good, the bad, and the ugly for Raw. Pretty good show. It, it, it wasn't bad. There were some good moments. Um, oh, I, I did like the stuff between Apollo Crews and Shelton Benjamin again, and it was MVP and Lashley and all that. I mean, I don't mind that, but overall, the show was decent. Uh, it wasn't horrible. So let's get into the good, the bad, and the ugly for AEW Dynamite, which to me was pretty horrible. Um, there's only a couple shining spots. Uh, in this show, um, uh, the good. Trying to find the good. It's very, very difficult. Uh, you know what? I know what I'll start off with. Uh, the good was a highlight of the press conference they held in support of Fighter Fest and talking specifically about Cody Rhodes and the TNT Championship. So I am going to play this uh, for you right now. Here is the press conference with Arn Anderson and Cody Rhodes. 
Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 2020 Fighter Fest press conference. I'm Mega, and I'm part of the AEW management team. On behalf of the AEW management team, I'm very excited to be bringing you this pay-per-view level card. Over two nights on TNT, all of the AEW titles will be challenged. I see that Mr. Hager still is not here, but let's get started anyway. Let's take some questions for the defending champs team. Liz Hunter from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. This is directed to Arn. Arn, are you surprised by Jake Hager's absence? Surprised? Probably not the right word. It's some kind of head game, Jake. You know, you check the history books, and no matter what sport we're talking about, you ever notice they're not very thick because there are very few champions. Oodles and oodles of challengers, but very few people that rise to the top and become a bona fide, legitimate champion. You're looking at one mind to my left. He's a legitimate champion, and he goes out there every single week and proves it. Now, you took the opportunity to come out and keep yourself about 50 feet away and do some challenging, do some huffing and puffing and barking, and said you wanted to crack it, Cody. Well, I went in the back, did a coach's corner, and, uh, you know, I've been around a while, Jake. I'm not some moron. And I said, uh, it's not the time. It's not the time for Hager. Timing is all wrong. He's a big, tough, badass. It's just not time. What none of you saw is about 30 seconds later, whoop, Cody, veins sticking out in his neck, sweat on his forehead, face red as a beet. He looked me right in the eye, and you know, it kind of took me aback for a second. I collected myself, and he said, you don't think I could beat that son of a bitch? And that vein got bigger, and it got thicker. And I knew, Jake, I'd accomplish what I wanted to. I challenged him. I challenged Cody. Now, are you so stupid that you believed what I said about you, Jake? Because you are all those things, but you're still a challenger. And your conduct today, as unprofessional as it is, it will keep you a challenger for the rest of your career. Do you have the credentials to be a champion? Maybe. Not showing up here today, disrespecting all these people, disrespecting this man has only shown me one of two things. You're either doubting yourself or you're just too stupid to get up here and put a brave front. When this is all said and done, we will still have a champion and his name will be Cody. Thank you. Next question. Matt Brock, PWI. Thank you. My question's for Cody. Cody, how does it feel to be the first TNT champion? Uh, how does it feel? Feels like hope. Uh, that, that yearning and uh, that desire uh, for a, a positive expectation. That's, that's what hope is. You know what else hope is? Hope is last week Arn selecting Ricky Starks from Louisiana, a kid that no hyperbole, no tall tale, had $3.67 in his checking account, 
before he came to Dynamite, and he left Dynamite with work, with a job. I, I know I go by the American Nightmare, but I still very much believe in the American Dream, and, and that's hope. And I know I don't have the best uh, reputation. I'm a bit of a Boy Scout, uh, do the work. It uh, doesn't sit well uh, with everybody. I take wrestling very seriously because wrestling has seriously fed me as long as I've been alive. I don't like meta wrestling. I don't like play wrestling. I don't like cosplay wrestling. I like professional wrestling. I like to fight. I like the taste of my own blood. I like the feeling of a man's kneecap between my legs when you slap on the figure four. And that's, that's a selfish feeling. That's an indulgence, but it's not compared. It pales in comparison to the feeling a viewer has at home when they watch what we do. That's the service we provide. That's the hope I'm talking about. Another aspect of hope is right there. Little, little Ruth here. This, this title is not even complete. It's, it's public knowledge. This isn't the finished championship belt, but that's the title. That's the title that was featured in the tournament that led us through the fog that was this pandemic and the onset of it and losing our fans. This doesn't even have the silver plating. It doesn't have the nickel plating. It's an incomplete but beautiful situation. We can start. You ready? I'm ready. Cameraman. All right. No, no it's fine. It's fine. No. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's not. Not now. Thank you guys, we're done. We're done. Okay. He's scrambling. He's playing head games. He's scrambling. Looks like Jake Hager is going to be the next challenger for the TNT Championship, which should be good. And you know what? He might actually win that match. Um, Cody did a great job here, though. I'll never doubt Cody's promo ability. I don't think he's the greatest in-ring wrestler. I'm not a, I'm not a, a big fan of his matches. But like his dad, he's a very, very good talker. And his dad had a lot more charisma than him. And, and his dad didn't do a lot of in-ring either, uh, but was able to get over just based on his personality. And I think that's what, what's won a lot of fans over lately, or, or you know, in general, is because of Cody's personality. And how much emotion that he displays. And while I still think he's a, a cocky prick, um, I do enjoy listening to his promos. And this was a good one. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. The Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. The other good was SCU, Frankie Kazarian, and Christopher Daniels taking on FTR, formerly The Revival, which is funny. That FTR could mean a, a bunch of things, but FTR, formerly the revival, makes sense to me. Uh, Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood, uh, they had a tag team match that was very, very good. And, uh, you know, their styles cl- uh, mesh up pretty well, being the fact that they've all been around for a while. Uh, FTR did get the win, and they cut a really good promo after the match. Um, but the, after the match was a, a little bit of a cluster. Uh, Dax Harwood called out all the teams in AEW. Then they showed the Butcher and the Blade in uh, FTR's truck. And then the Lucha Brothers appeared behind FTR uh, as the Butcher and Blade challenged you know, challenged FTR and the Young Bucks at Fighter Fest. And the Lucha Bros attacked FTR and laid them out. The Young Bucks made the save. The Butcher and Blade stole their FTR's truck. Uh, it was that was a little bit of a cluster, which could fall into the bad category. But the match itself, I enjoyed. Taz is also pretty great on the mic, too. Uh, he cut a promo uh, talking about John Moxley, who wasn't there, because uh, we'll get into that in the news. So I'll, I'll tell you why later. Uh, but Brian Cage is a big, jacked-up guy, and I'm looking forward to seeing him and Moxley get at it. But with Taz as his mouthpiece, uh, Taz did a really, really good job. Finally, wrapping up the good for AW Dynamite was Chris Jericho. Uh, confronting Orange Cassidy, which I'm going to play for you right now. It's very, very entertaining. If you try any of that bullshit, kick me in the shin offense, I'll knock your teeth down your throat and beat you in 30 seconds. You understand what I'm saying? As it stands right now, you better reach down deep into those pockets and pull out a man-sized miracle because that's what you're going to need to beat the champion, but it's not going to happen. And I'll tell you this, at Fighter Fest, the Orange Cassidy phenomenon is over because I'm going to make sure that you, my friend, run out of juice. Huh? <laughs> now that's a funny joke, right? That's a good... Well, you can talk. Talking takes effort, Tony. I don't know. Oh, I know. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) That's pissing Jericho off. That's what Jericho said you better not do. He's being taunted. 
And he turned his back on Le Champion. <laughs> Got to give him credit. He's his own man, isn't he? And he is not intimidated by Chris Jericho. He's got a warrant in those Ray-Bans. Oh! Again, Jericho vulnerable for the double-leg takedown. We saw it last week. And Orange and Jericho now. We didn't think this would be a debate or an oratory. Jericho spilling to the outside. Cassidy keeping the pressure on. Look at him go. Look at him go. Orange, Cassidy, and Chris Jericho. Teeing off, more specifically Cassidy on Jericho. Outside the barricade. Got a hell of a right hand. Surrounded by steel and concrete. Not a good play around of Jericho. Just knocked the hell out of Cassidy with a thunderous right hand. And a second one since Cassidy reeling. And now a hockey fight. Oh boy, he knows all about this, doesn't he? Jericho's dad, a star in the National Hockey League back in the day. Ted Irvin. And he liked to fight too. Put on the brakes and slams Jericho face first. Now Jericho and Orange Cassidy. They may not be uh, observing social distancing before it's all said and done here. Jericho and Cassidy fighting into the stands. There's a woodshed out there somewhere that Jericho's taking Orange Cassidy that's, to. That's where he wants to take him. There's no question about that. Look at this, man. Cassidy oh. is fighting back again. He's not backing down. Orange Cassidy knocking oh, Jericho with a backhand on Cassidy. No. This is bad. He's taking everything Jericho has to offer. And just think these two men are going to fight at Fighter Fest night two. Oh! Jericho with that clubbing shot on Cassidy. And now sends him into the barricades once again. I don't know how these men are going to wait until July 8th. Oh, no, don't do that. Oh, no! Jericho swung the gym into the face of Cassidy. And now documenting his handiwork. Just like Orange Cassidy did last week on camera 12. Exactly. Jericho has found a measure of retribution because I don't think Jericho's mind could take being one-upped again by Orange Cassidy. Well, he said you better not do that kick to my shins, and he did exactly what Jericho warned him not to do. And look at this now, Jericho, he's got... Oh, God. He's got Cassidy up on that crate, but Cassidy, oh, escapes, and oh! Oh, man. Right across the railing. The running didn't settle a damn thing. Jericho's in trouble. Oh, and Cassie's bleeding profusely from his right ear. But Jericho's face has just been slammed into that railing repeatedly. I think that jib caught him that time on the ear. Where's Orange headed? We're damn near out of time here. Look at his face. Look at that demeanor. Have we ever seen that look from Orange Cassidy? Orange Cassidy. Oh, oh my God, Jericho went right through a table. That leaping Superman shot from Orange Cassidy. A bleeding Orange Cassidy sends Jericho right through a table, right to the concrete. 
And again, these two men will fight. They'll fight each other on night two of Fighter Fest. But first, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be night one of Fighter Fest. That is one week from tonight. It's not a pay-per-view. It's free television on TNT. All four AEW World Championships will be on the line at Fighter Fest. And we will also have the showdown between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho on night two. I mean, Jericho is great. And Orange Cassidy gets the big rub from Jericho. You know, he put Jericho through a table after hitting a Superman punch. Uh, But Jericho is so good on the mic. And he's so great at putting people over. It's up to Orange Cassidy now as to what he does with this push. You know, he's either going to sink or swim. People were behind him anyway, but... You know, this this could be a very, very big push to get him into the main event scene, and we'll see what he does from there. Uh, I don't know if that can be sustained, given his character uh, and his gimmick, but who knows? Let's see if he makes the most of it. It's time for Orange Cassidy to take the ball and run, and I think this was uh, this was fantastic. Getting into the bad, the Lumberjack match. Wardlow with MJF taking on Luchasaurus with Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt in his corner. With all the stuff going on and the spiking in COVID cases, and I know everyone's tested, but still, you could be asymptomatic and still carry the disease uh, and, and or virus and not even know it. And you're going to have a lumberjack match with all these people around ringside, not socially distancing. Uh, it's pretty irresponsible. And we've seen that a lot in AEW, whether it be stuff like that or you know several matches where there was blood involved. Uh, and blading, and you know, we know how any disease can transmit easily through blood and, and, and bodily fluids. But yeah, AEW has been very up and down. You know, they were the first company to start testing, which obviously WWE weren't. Uh, so I, I commended them for that. But then just doing stuff like this, man, just doesn't doesn't fly with me. People love the squash match that Hikaru Shida had. Um. She took on Red Velvet. I have no idea who that is. Um, pretty much like a four-second match. <laughs> Literally hit Velvet with a knee strike and a falcon arrow for the three count. Um, I mean, just I guess it's good just to prove that she is the champ and that she's dominant. But all that did was set up for Sheeta attacking Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian after the match. So that looks like to be the next challenger for Sheeta's AEW Women's Championship, and that's the uh, super bad Penelope Ford. But I don't, I don't care for a squash match like that. That, that. that to me was unnecessary. I'm also not digging the Colt Cabana and the Dark Order stuff. I, I do like the Dark Order, but I don't like the direction that they've been going in since Brody Lee came in. I thought it was just fine with Stu Grayson and Evil Uno uh, leading the charge. But to me, uh, Brody Lee has fallen flat, and that's that is what you get. And I'm not saying. You know, he wasn't great in the indies. I mean, he was known to have, you know, to be really, really popular and, and do really good stuff. But again, it's the indies. I mean, what, what, what are you judging on? Judging on he's the best out of all the other scrubs that were there? Uh, in WWE, Luke Harper fell short. They had so much promise and just wasn't good. And now we see him here in AEW as Mr. Brody Lee, and it's falling short on me as well. So maybe after all this time and, and all these different gimmicks, maybe you got to put the onus on Brody Lee for not being able to really get over and be entertaining. Maybe, you know, he was overhyped. We'll see how long this lasts. Uh, but throwing Cole Cabana in it, yeah, 
whatever, dude. It's 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 not entertaining to me at all. The ugly Santana with Ortiz taking on Matt Hardy. Not a good match. And I'm not a fan of Santana or Ortiz, although I do like Santana more than Ortiz. I think Ortiz is a is a goofy fuck, and I don't like his gimmick um, with the whole cat claws and, and just stick his tongue out all the time. It's just it's weird. Uh, I don't think these guys had great chemistry together. Hopefully, we don't see more from them. Um, but the one thing that was kind of amusing after the match, Santana and Ortiz attacked Matt Hardy with a street sweeper. Uh, until private party made to save, but I wouldn't really call that ugly, ugly. Um, I might even include Big Swall coming into into the crowd to confront Doctor Britt Baker and took her uh, wheelchair and she dumped garbage on the Brit. So I mean that that was actually even worse than this match. And not to Brit's, I mean it's not Brit's fault. I'm not a big fan of Big Swall. I don't. She was overhyped as well. Uh, one of the most, you know, sought sought after prospects in the women's division. Well, that doesn't say much because your women's division sucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, AEW wasn't a horrible, horrible show. Um, but there was fleeting moments that didn't last long, uh, and then it just got back to bass backwards booking. So there you go. That's what I thought about dynamite. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Red Turtles Wrestling Podcast. Uh, NXT. The good was hard to find on this show as well. I actually didn't like this show at all. I thought it was actually worse than AEW, even though uh, they beat AEW in the ratings, which I'll get to here in a second. Um, God, I mean, there's not, not a lot of... Not a lot of good on this show. Dexter Lewis is, is always good whenever he makes an appearance. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the stuff that he does. But uh, I guess for me, um, the main event was solid. The main event was solid. It was an NXT North American Championship triple threat match. The champion, Keith Lee, defending against Johnny Gargano and Finn Balor. Uh, and this was a fantastic match. Like This was a pay-per-view quality match. Uh, Adam Cole got involved afterwards, so it looks like we're going to we're gonna see Keith Lee uh, against Adam Cole in a winner-take-all match in two weeks. Uh, there was an announcement that the Great American Bash will be coming to NXT, and I believe it'll be over a two-week period. Uh, so they're bringing these gimmicks back to try to pop some ratings like they did with TakeOver In Your House and doing some of the TakeOver Tampa matches on on, uh, on network television since the event was canceled due to the pandemic uh, in April. So I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of bringing back to Great American Bash and all kinds of gimmicks and stuff like that. And, and NXT is a great place to do it because it's an old school type concept anyway. 
Uh, so I, I'm cool with that. But it was a really, really good match. Uh, Keith Lee did retain his title. Um, and again, Dexter Loomis was good. He had a, <laughs> a quick little little match against Roderick Strong. Uh, Roddy quickly got out of the ring when Dexter just stared him down. Uh, and Roddy just pretty much ran away. Uh, <laughs> they even had a uh, a therapy session between Roddy with the Undisputed Air for, uh, involved. So I am going to play that for you right now because that was pretty entertaining. I think we've done a lot of good work, Roderick. We made a lot of progress last week, but I think we had a slip up with the trunk. Tell me about that. Doc, I thought I could do it, but when I got down there, I just saw his face, and I felt that cold, cold trunk again, so I ran. I ran as fast and as far as I could. Every single time I tried to stop, I'd look back, and I just could see him chasing me. For the last week, I've isolated myself. I've just been in my own head working on this, and I think I can do it. I think today I can conquer that fear, that fear of the trunk. So today I'm ready. Yes, you today are. I'm ready yes, to do are. it. Yeah. I'm ready, ready to, to conquer it. Ah, my fear. Yeah. That's the Roddy I know. Fear of the trunk. That's the Roddy I know. Yeah. 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 He's here. He's here. Kyle, let's go get in that trunk. Who? 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 I'm just researching a role for a new movie, crime fighting psychotherapist. It's not a big deal. What well, the big worked. deal is getting in the trunk. Exactly. Right, we're gonna we're do here. this. Sure we're gonna so do this. I'm gonna right do it by right myself. Right That's right. I'll just be an baby. Here we go. Here we go. Three, two. Yeah! You're doing it, Ronnie. You're doing it, Ronnie. That's right, baby. Driver, pop the trunk. Conquer anything! Absolutely! Anything. And, and yeah. guess what? Tonight, you're gonna conquer Dexter Loomis in a match. Tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah! yeah. Talk to me. Yeah, yeah, thank you guys. Exactly. I need it. You've got everything you right, Let's get the limo. Let's go. You got this, Roddy. Let's go. Let's go. So proud of you. I like these guys together. I really do. Uh, you know, they, they kind of broke up the the inner circle bunch videos. You know that they're doing and and undisputed era kind of did their own thing like that. And this is kind of an extension of that as well. So uh, I didn't I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, so I mean, yeah, that's really much all I have for the good. The bad uh, Cameron Grimes against Damian Priest. Not a fan. Um, I like both guys individually. I just, I'm not into this little mini feud or whatever they're doing at all. Uh, I also don't like the Robert Stone stuff. He's been trying to get Rhea Ripley in his camp for a while now. Um, oh, one more good spot. I'm sorry. It was Timothy Thatcher's wrestling school. That was, that was very entertaining. Uh, Timothy just kind of stretching people like, oh, or, uh, Stu Hart style. 
uh, just beating the crap out of people in his his so-called wrestling school. That was fun. Uh, Casey Canton's our own Caden Carter against Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. Couldn't care less. I honestly couldn't couldn't care less. Um, the ugly. Which ties into a little bit of the Robert Stone stuff. Aaliyah with Robert Stone taking on Rhea Ripley in like a two-minute match. Uh, number one, Aaliyah sucks. Number two, Robert Stone, Robbie E. sucks. And it was never a fan of him before. And I think this gimmick is even worse. Like it, it's I don't know why it's still getting play on TV. Um, but that was that was ugh, God, it wasn't good. It really wasn't good. I did not enjoy that at all. So yeah, not not a solid show from uh, from AEW or NXT, to be quite honest. But the viewership numbers for what what we used to call the Wednesday Night War, I don't even know if it's really a, a war anymore, to be quite honest. Um, uh, AEW last week did 772,000 viewers. They were down this week uh, to six hundred and thirty-three thousand. You know, they lost what one hundred and thirty thousand or so. Um, a NXT, on the other hand, did seven forty-six last week, which is very strong, very strong for them. Uh, they've gone up the last two weeks. Uh, this week, they gained another forty thousand. They did seven hundred eighty-six thousand viewers. So they destroyed AEW this week. Um, last week, the discrepancy was uh, 772,000 for AEW and 746 for NXT, so not big of a difference there, but this is a huge uh, drop for AEW uh, with NXT beating them 786,000 viewers to 633. That's a pretty big discrepancy. That may be one of the biggest discrepancies that NXT has had over AEW so far. You know, usually it's been within 20, 30, 40,000, but that's a huge difference. 786 to 633, it's like 150,000 people or so. <laughs> you put 150,000 people in a room uh, in a stadium and you'll see how many people that is and just kind of put that in, in context and perspective. Um, moving on to SmackDown, which was kind of a differently formatted show than usual. Uh, obviously, we know we got the Supposed retirement of The Undertaker during the last episode of his Last Ride documentary that was featured on the WWE Network. Chapter 5 was The Revelation, which I had called on this show several weeks ago and even tweeted out beforehand that I had a bad feeling that Taker might actually retire as part of this documentary, especially given the fact it's called The Last Ride. Um, And he told Steve Austin he wanted to go out the way that he wanted to go out and... Apparently, he thought that the Boneyard match was the perfect way for him to go out. And if that truly is indeed the case, and Undertaker never wrestles again, uh, then that's a great thing. I I did a tribute show on this past week's Tuesday show of uh, RTW Rewind. uh, Hashtag thank you, Taker. So I covered a lot of that there on that show. But this here uh, was a true tribute show for the Undertaker. Uh, they kicked off the show. Uh, this is part of the good with uh, the current roster that's there, that's participating, all standing and lining up the aisle way and, and chanting, thank you, Taker, and clapping. Uh, thank you, Taker. 
which was very, very cool. And then they uh, they did a video package recapping the legendary career of Mark Calloway as The Undertaker. Uh, even showed the uh, the debut at Survivor Series. And then they showed the Boneyard match. And that was probably the first hour of the show or so. Uh, cutting back in between commercials and, and some promos. Uh, Baron Corbin. <laughs> Baron Corbin cut a promo on Taker saying that he's glad that he's gone. And Jeff Hardy took exception to that and and knocked Corbin on the ring, which set up uh, their main event, which, again, what was their original main event? This is how you book a show. Uh, no advertised matches. Like, if if Jeff didn't attack Corbin, what would have been your main event? So all of a sudden, this became the main event. I've always hated shit like that. It doesn't make sense at all. That just shows that you had nothing planned for your show. <sighs> anyway, uh, more good. We had a multi-team tag team match. We had the New Day and Lucha House Party taking on Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and The Miz and Morrison. And uh, a pretty good match. A really good match. Um, I enjoyed a lot of what I saw from these guys. Lucha House Party are starting to impress me more and more. Like I've never debated their in-ring work, uh, which which is really solid right now. I just the whole gimmick and characters suck, but uh, I'm digging I'm digging their in-ring stuff. Lucha House Party and New Day got the win. Um, so that that was a, a, a an entertaining match to watch. I also did enjoy the. Jeff Hardy versus Baron Corbin match. Jeff Hardy uh, got the win with the Swanton. Uh, after the match, everyone celebrated before Corbin attacked Jeff and, and Corbin took out Kofi. Uh, and then Big E got, got involved and, and hit Corbin with the big ending. And then Braun came down the ring and and hit Corbin with the power slam. And then Matt Riddle came in, which I'm still shocked that they're using Matt Riddle given the allegations that are against him right now. Uh, he hit Corbin with the corkscrew senton, and Jeff did the uh, signature Undertaker pose in the ring as they went off the air. So that was a good main event and a good segment, and always fun to see Baron Corbin get his ass kicked. The bad. There was no bad. I mean, this is actually a good show. Uh, the ugly. You can almost guarantee what I'm going to say. <laughs> SmackDown Women's Championship number one contender fatal four way match. The match itself was good. It was Lacey Evans against Dana Brooke against Alexa Bliss against Nikki Cross. I like the fact that the ring got cleared and it was Nikki and Alexa. And Nikki tried to get one up on Alexa, and Alexa's like, "What the hell?" And, and Nikki's like, "It's all about you know the strap. It's all about the title." So I love you, but let's do it. And they did. Uh, Dana Brooke sucked. Dana Brooke is not a good wrestler. Uh, she looked out of place in this match. And e- even before the match, her and Nikki were pushing her back and forth. And Dana was like, who are you? And I think uh, even Bailey, uh, Bailey and Sasha were at, at ringside for commentary, which was part of the ugly. Because, God, I can't stand them on commentary. I'm tired of hearing from these two. But they did have a pretty good line like, I mean, they've all been here for quite a while. How do you not know who Nikki Cross is? That that was pretty funny. But um yeah, uh the match the ma- the match was was okay. Uh but I, you know, Bailey and Sasha ruined it for me on commentary. It's just it's so annoying. And maybe that's the point. But uh Nikki Cross got the win. I was shocked for that. So Nikki Cross will defend or will challenge Bailey 
for the SmackDown Women's Championship uh, at Extreme Rules, which they're now calling it Extreme Rules, the horror show. <sighs> Christ. I don't know. Who knows what the hell that's going to be? I'm sure it's going to be heavy, heavy on Bray Wyatt now, who is uh, back to being the old old school Bray Wyatt from the Wyatt family with the with the New Orleans accent and all that. Kind of like a, a Cape Fear ripoff. Um, cross between like Cape Fear and and Waylon Mercy, the character that Danny Spivey played for a while, which was light years ahead of his time. I know, I know uh, Bray uh, borrowed a lot from that, but, uh, but yeah, no, I'm still looking forward to the original incarnation uh, against Braun Strowman and, and probably f- ending it in the rubber match with the Fiend. Uh, but it, it'll be good. It's almost like a three faces of Foley. You know, we have Funhouse Bray, we have Fiend Bray, and now we have uh, Wyatt Family Bray back. So, uh, yeah, but this was a good show. This is probably my favorite show of the week. Uh, I especially love the stuff about The Undertaker and, and watching the Boneyard match again and, and having various people like Triple H and Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle and Batista come in and uh, and talk about Taker uh, in little vignettes and stuff. So, that that was good stuff, but uh, yeah, there you go. That's the good, the bad, and the ugly for this week's of professional wrestling. The Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. Let's get into the current news in the RTW News Desk. Here's what's going on in the world of pro wrestling in this week's RTW News Desk. So going to a little bit of what we just covered on SmackDown. According to a report from Gary Cassidy at Sports Kita, Baron Corbin is not happy about being positioned as the first rivalry for Matt Riddle on the main roster. Uh, reportedly, Corbin feels that Riddle should have to defeat five enhancement talents before facing him. However... This has been the plan for Riddle for quite some time, as illustrated by the fact that Baron Corbin eliminated Riddle from both Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble. Riddle versus Corbin has been the plan internally for months, but Baron Corbin only recently found about the plans within the last week. As you know, Riddle helped in the post-match babyface beatdown of Baron Corbin after he lost to Jeff Hardy on SmackDown, so... Uh, you know, we thought Riddle may be challenging AJ for the Intercontinental title, but we may build him up first before we actually get to that. Uh, but it looks like it'll be Baron Corbin and Matt Riddle if Matt Riddle sticks around and isn't released, or depending on what, what's going on with the allegations regarding him uh, and the whole speaking out movement. But uh, yeah, some more names have come out this week about speaking out and uh, there's been some pretty impactful stuff. Uh, Mike Quackenbush made the mistake of putting out a statement uh, regarding the allegations with him. You know, if you're one of the accused, I understand the want to kind of defend yourself and to want to speak, but the smart play nowadays is to shut your mouth. Shut your mouth and don't talk about it. Um. It just it doesn't look good on you at all, and a lot of people aren't buying the uh, apology that he put out. Uh, but I will read you the quote from the video. 
uh, and the video was nearly 15 minutes for Christ's sake. That's a pretty long apology. Uh, Mike was quoted as saying, I would like to address recent allegations, which have surfaced in the last three days about myself and people under my supervision. These are very serious allegations. And I want to be clear. This is entirely separate from the fictional world of pro wrestling storylines, characters, etc. I want to take the time to go over all the points raised. And even though much of this will be difficult to hear, it is important that you know everything. So stay with me until the end, please. I want to start by offering an apology to anybody who read these allegations and felt embarrassment or disappointment as a result. I am sorry for that. I'm going to begin with the longest of these allegations, which comprises seven messages across two tweets offered anonymously by a student enrolled at my wrestling school between 2016 and 2019, when we were situated in Philadelphia holding a lease on Wingate Street. Because this accuser came forward anonymously, I will maintain their privacy if they choose to identify themselves. That is their decision to make and not mine. I wish to start with the most distressing of the points raised in this allegation. Her allegations take the form of a narrative. And in her story, she alleges that a separate trainee went to one of my coach's private residences, became blackout drunk, and is concerned that she was assaulted uh, until a few days ago. I had never heard this allegation, and given I could not know what took place inside of one of my coach's private residences, I want to give the benefit of the doubt to the accuser, and I believe this allegation the way it is described. I denounce this behavior, and upon learning of this just a few days ago, I investigated, and a member of my staff was able to contact someone close to the situation. I am relieved that the coach cited in this allegation was removed several months ago. Regardless, safeguards must be put in place to ensure something of this nature never happens again. This anonymous accuser further alleges that during a road trip, a male performer exposes genitals to her in a hotel room. And though I have first, although I have no firsthand knowledge of this event, that trip was organized under my purview. Therefore, I accept full responsibility for this, and I must be the one to offer an apology. I'm sorry that this occurred. After the fact, a coach alerted me of unprofessional behavior while on the road and acting on that report. Disciplinary measures were taken, but this level of detail was unknown to me until I read the allegation. Mike goes on to further address an accusation of a poorly handled in-ring injury and accusations of gaslighting during a medical evaluation. He continued, this accuser also details an in-ring injury which took place between August of 2017, resulting in a serious leg and ankle injury. They claimed that after the fact, jokes were made, calling this accident on purpose. I did not hear anyone make jokes about this, and I remember the event vividly because I was in the ring for it and also present at the hospital after the fact. However, because I cannot be everywhere and hear everything, it is possible someone did make that joke. So I believe the accuser, and I accept responsibility for that, and I'm sorry if anyone tried to make light of that situation. It is inappropriate, but I deny the assertion that a trainee of ours would be deliberately injured. That is against my 
ethos as a person and as a performer and as a trainer and even those things aside just as a business person who must ensure the safety of his paying clients lastly from this particular allegation the accuser claims to have been manipulated or gaslit through the process of passing an evaluation then later being asked to take the evaluation once again and failing the evaluation the accuser is not alone in the process of being reevaluated and having regressed in the period of time between evaluations. In this case, the accuser did regress, and upon reevaluation, lacked sufficient upper body strength to control another person's body to the mat with safety. I deny this as any wrongdoing. I do not believe the circumstances of being reevaluated rises to satisfy the definition of manipulation or gaslighting of any sort. Furthermore, To compare these experiences to the conduct and behavior of Jeffrey Epstein is an assertion I entirely reject and deny this former trainee of mine is neither the first nor the last who had a frustrating experience mastering the craft. However, upon reporting to me that she would not be continuing training in our parting dialogue in 2019, she stated, I don't have the money and I never really had enough time. It was such an amazing experience. Thanks for everything. Quackenbush would go on to address allegations that he had sexual relations with a trainee he was protecting from another relationship. Mike said, moving on, another anonymous accuser alleges that I was protecting someone from another relationship and later chose to brag about sexual conquest. I deny this allegation. To be clear to all, I do not discuss my sex life publicly, period. I am fastidiously private on this topic, and I wholeheartedly deny this allegation. A further allegation asserts that I was involved in a relationship with a trainee, implying that a relationship was anything other than professional. And I want to be crystal clear on this point and exactly two points in my life. I have been involved in a personal relationship with an active Chikara performer. Both were consenting adults, and both are free to disclose whatever they choose to about that. But their privacy is not mine to revoke. To be clear, though, I have never been involved in that type of relationship with a trainee. There was another allegation addressing the usage of a derogatory slur towards a mentally handicapped member of the Chikara family. Mike had to say this about it. There is an anonymous accuser alleging that someone booked by me used an inappropriate term to refer to a member of the Jakara family with autism, and it's entirely clear to me who this is in reference to because a beloved figure in our history, Steve Weiner, is very open about discussing his autism. Steve was a regular with us in 2010 and 2011, even though I did not witness this remark. I believe this allegation. And firstly, and most prominently, when you apologize to my friend Steven, Steven, I am sorry. You deserve better that this should not have been said. There are several people in my life, including my friend Stephen, who have autism, and I've had to learn how hurtful the R word is to them. Simply put, if this was said by someone at one of my shows or at my school, then I accept full responsibility. Once again, Stephen, I am sorry, and anyone impacted by that, I am sorry. Quackenbush would go on to address allegations of ghosting people to which he apologized and said that his number and email address haven't changed. Should anybody want to reach out before also addressing allegations of himself using homophobic, racist, and misogynistic slurs? 
While Mike could not recall the latter two, he did acknowledge his use of homophobic slurs in the past and shares a story of the moment he learned that usage of such terms was truly hurtful and defensive. Mike said, we do need to talk about one more thing. From when we were in Huntington Valley in 2011 and 2012, when someone alleges that the same anonymous accuser alleges that I use homophobic language, racist or misogynistic language during practice. This part I must own, he admitted. I am certain that I made homophobic remarks during this time period. Although I do not recall making other types of inappropriate or offensive remarks during that period of time, I must be open to the fact that since I don't recall those things, I should own them. I accept responsibility. I am responsible for those things, and I believe the allegations as they were reported because I know I said ignorant things in my past, and I have to own that. So for the people that are disappointed by that or who I've hurt or I've offended, uh, I want you to know that I am sorry, and I will f- never forget the exit interview I had with this trainee when they parted ways with me, uh, training at my school, and they told me how hurtful it was to them to hear that word said aloud. That made me realize how hurtful it was and how badly we need to change the culture around our training. Maybe it sounds weird to say, but I am thankful for the lesson you taught me that day, and I'm sorry. Mike would end the nearly 15-minute video by urging everyone to continue to speak out and create real change in the culture of wrestling. Mike finally said, I have read and reread all of these, including all of your comments, especially from those who of you have lacked the full context for understanding. I want you to know that I, if I have failed you, if I've hurt you, if I've offended you, I'm sorry. And to those of you I've disappointed, I'm sorry to you too. You're owed that apology, but please take this away. Please, I'm urging you to remember this. We have to continue to listen with compassion and with empathy to the people who are speaking out, and we've got to engage in real serious self-reflection. Look at the things that we've all said and done, and then we've got to change to be better. If you're hearing that from me, and you're wondering why, Mike, how can you realistically say that, given what you've gone through the last 72 hours? And what we all need to understand is this, that uh, is this, the people who are hurting the most right now, they are the ones who must be heard the most because if they are never heard, they are never going to start healing and we all have a role to play. Chikara was founded in 2002 uh, and has since been shut down because of everything that surrounded it recently. The Wrestle Factory Training School has not been officially shut down, but will no longer be run by Mike Quackenbush. That's a lot to take in. And yeah, Chikara was around quite a bit, quite a long time and gained a lot of steam and, uh, and a lot of fans over the years. And it's, it's unfortunate for the organization as a whole to shut down because of all this, but I guess they felt that they had no other choice. I've heard other rumors of guys like Brock Lesnar being involved, uh, Raven being involved. Uh, which is, is very unfortunate. Uh, a lot of us are fans uh, of Raven, but apparently April Hunter came out this week uh, and tweeted the fact that Raven, uh, Scott, literally tortured me for an entire month-long Euro tour. Advances, touching, innuendo, bullying, putting me down. Other guys on tour had to pair with me when possibly he was such a, uh, a predator. 
Um, she also said that uh, why didn't I report Raven? Because he was my veteran and a bigger name. If push came to shove, it's likely I would be taken off the tour and never booked again, not him. But everyone saw it, and to their credit, two guys stepped in when possible to help thwart it. That would be Sean Brennan and Joe Hitchin. Uh, Someone also came out this week and said, after reading April Hunter's speaking out story about Raven, I instantly thought of former WWE star Tori. Uh, accusing him of not Tori Wilson, um, Xbox kayfabe girlfriend Tori, uh, her real name Terry Potch, uh, accusing Raven of verbally abusing her back in 2001, but nothing came of it. And she was abruptly released after that. This needs to be looked into. So some of the bigger names are starting to come out. And look, man, and look, what happened 20, 30 years ago? was probably more socially accepted back then. And I'm not condoning anything that happened, but early two thousands throughout the nineties, throughout the eighties, possibly even the seventies, especially in the eighties, man, there was so much excess with drugs and alcohol and partying. Like the eighties was a wild, crazy, crazy time. I mean, if you want to use the same logic that we're using nowadays regarding sexual misconduct and, and inappropriate things, Ric Flair has publicly come out and admitted about how he loved to flash everybody. And we've got stories from JR and Tony Schiavone and, and countless, countless others to back it up. And we all kind of laugh at it like, ah, crazy Rick, crazy Rick with the baby arm. Love showing off to people go up, you know, flashing people on an airplane, getting into a limo with JR and having two girls in there and just whipping it out and showing them and, Either it works or it doesn't work, and they leave. So, I mean, that was his pickup line, apparently. Um, running around hotel lobbies naked. Uh, Ric Flair's a serial flasher. And it's okay for him to get away with all that? Like, using today's logic with, with, with the way people are, are speaking out and how they're fed up with this kind of activity and behavior, why isn't Ric Flair in jail? Like, why isn't he put in jail and throw away the key, you know, for all the sexual misconduct that he had over the years. I'm just saying there's a double standard for, for some people and it's bullshit. Uh, and the more and more names that come out, the more uh, we see this disgusting behavior. But can you only imagine if Twitter around 20 years ago and how many stories women could have had told speaking out? I mean, truthfully, I mean, it's, it's been a part of life for a long time, but especially the wrestling business. And yeah, of course it happens in baseball and football and hockey and basketball too, but you know, they get mainstream attention, but you know, wrestling doesn't like none of this is really getting big headlines, just kind of a social media movement. Uh, but I'm glad more and more people are coming in and speaking out because there needs to be change. Uh, and I don't know if it's still as bad as it used to be back in the day. Cause a lot of business was done in the bars and, as you'll learn with my conversation with Jason Powell that's dropping on Sunday in a bonus show. Uh, we touched on this as well. And, you know, he's like, a lot of people go back to their rooms and play video games. Uh, but it's still obviously a problem. And not just in British wrestling, which uh, has been the biggest focus of all these uh, claims and allegations. But it happens all around the world, especially here in the U.S., uh, WWE is reportedly even thinking about shutting down WWE UK, uh, NXT UK over all this. Uh, and they've had to release several wrestlers. Uh, 
it's uh it's it's a crazy time right now if there wasn't enough going on with the pandemic uh, with the George Floyd situation, with the rioting and the looting and the, and the protesting, and and now we have this. Twenty twenty sucks. <laughs> twenty twenty really fucking sucks. The Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. So that leads me to the WWE and the apparent. Outbreak of COVID nineteen positive test results um, by their contractor staff. It's crazy. Uh, there's rumors that it could be ten plus people. Right now, I think there's only four concern, confirmed cases. Uh, some people even took to Twitter to talk about it. It looks like Adam Pierce, uh, the head of the agents or producers, uh, apparently he has contracted COVID. Renee Young has been public and coming out on her Twitter and saying that uh, it really fucking sucks, but she's got COVID. And that is why John Moxley was not at AW this week because uh, of possibly uh, being exposed to it. And we didn't, they didn't want him around all the other talent performers and crew. So that's why the AW world champion is not around. Uh, but that really, really sucks. Kayla Braxton came out and said, not only does she have it now, but she possibly had it back in February or March. And she since deleted that tweet, but I'm sure she got heat for saying that. Um, yeah, it's, it's not good. That's why Kevin Owens is staying home. Kevin Owens came back uh, and said, nope, I don't want to bring this around my family. Roman Reigns has been out since, what, before WrestleMania? Since March or so? He has no intentions of coming back any, anytime soon. That's that's your number one star. You're bringing in guys like Ric Flair who's 70-something years old, 76 years old, or however old he is. Um, he could be exposed to it all. Uh, it's not good. And there was an edict, supposedly, put out by the vice president of production, Kevin Dunn, that said, if you're going to be on TV, you're not to wear a mask. If you do want to wear a mask, you just won't, you won't be on camera. And as we've seen over the last few weeks with the introduction of the NXT trainees being put in the crowd, not always social distancing themselves, uh, not wearing masks, and the introduction of, quote, fans, uh, which were actually friends and family of the of the crew and performers, brought into Raw and SmackDown last week, which is why you saw some different faces. Uh, and then you had the Street Profits last week on Raw deciding to go on the other side of the plexiglass and start dancing around with the fans wasn't a smart idea. And apparently they caught some heat over that. Um, but yeah, there's uh, oh, there's just a lot of dark clouds circling around WWE right now. Uh, regard, uh, There was a report from Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful.com that said WWE's COVID-19 situation is a mess. Upon news of numerous positive tests on Thursday, several members of the roster have contacted Fightful, with one even asking how many positive tests were rumored because we would know better than them, which is pretty sad that you don't even know what's going on in your own company. Uh, WWE wrestlers have not been informed of even an approximate number of tests, let alone who tested positive. This is a far cry from the first positive test three months ago uh, in which WWE provided the name 
how it was likely contracted and an update on the uh, individual memo uh, that was sent internally. The main roster talent uh, we've heard are generally upset about the handling with one saying they'd also preferred if WWE had testing set post tapings. Uh, another was particularly concerned for Kayla Braxton, considering the virus has reemerged in her. There were multiple NXT wrestlers who needed to be retested after being exposed to somebody positive, but they tested negative. There was also concern and worry over a couple of small gatherings that took place among wrestlers, considering the rumored numbers are so high. Uh, Fightful was told that it's across all kinds of departments, and despite last week's news, there were still some at the PC who were not required to come in for testing before this week. NXT PC talent were sent a message Thursday morning after 9 a.m. saying, per Vince, all talent are needed for TV on Friday and Saturday. Please go to the PC by 10.30 a.m. today for drive-through COVID testing. If you took test yesterday, you don't need to today, which, okay. Uh, if you are in high-level storyline, you will be off-camera. Thanks. Important, after test, you will need to remain isolated and quarantined until after the TV tapings. Many talent missed that testing deadline, and we're awaiting a new location as of 5 p.m., Eastern Thursday. Those of the talent that were tested yesterday uh, do not have their results back. We've heard from several NXT and PC talent that were going to skip this week's tapings after the second COVID test, then accelerated by the numerous other tests. However, they were urged to come in even after expressing that they weren't comfortable doing so. That is not a good look for WWE and apparently during this whole time they've just been taking temperatures and never doing testing whereas AEW had been doing actual COVID testing before their shows and then you get an outbreak here at the PC and all hell breaks loose and they pretty much had to rewrite their Smackdown show uh, that they taped uh, yesterday on Friday and it looks like the taping of Raw was held off too so I'm not sure if they're doing that today uh, but there is a report that WWE postponed their, their Raw taping. According to John Pollock of Post Wrestling, reports that the Friday taping of WWE Raw has been postponed until Saturday, today as I'm recording this, the 27th of June. WWE was set to tape tonight's episode of SmackDown and this Monday's episode of Raw during today's tapings, but that has now been changed. The taping for tonight's SmackDown uh, was underway at the time of this writing. It is unknown how this will affect Saturday's tapings. WWE was set to tape the July 3rd episode of SmackDown and July 6th episode of Raw on Saturday. WWE talent has continued to undergo COVID-19 testing following reports of multiple positive tests. It is unknown the exact number of positive tests in WWE, but four talents have disclosed the positive test and one extra has stepped forward as well. Uh, it's such a jacked up situation. It really is. It's 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 crazy. Um, getting back to uh, some of the speaking out stuff that's going on. Um, Michael Elgin was uh, removed from Impact. Uh, Impact Wrestling announced that Michael Elgin will no longer be appearing in any further 
Impact Wrestling Programming. PW Insider reports that Elgin will not be appearing for the promotion moving forward. He has been removed from the roster page of the Impact website, and his merchandise has been removed as well. Elgin was reportedly told of his decision earlier on Friday. He said, I appreciate the time and opportunities given to me with Impact, the locker room, the film crew, and everybody involved. Uh, Impact previously suspended Elgin, admitted uh, amid allegations of sexual misconduct on June 22nd, following his suspension and termination of the contracts of Joey Ryan and Dave Christ. Uh, the company had to re-edit this past Tuesday's episode of Impact. The episode reportedly almost didn't make air due to the changes that need to be made. Impact was currently investigating the situation involving Elgin during his suspension. Elgin was slated to compete in a fatal five-way for the Impact World title Slammiversary. The match has been already undergone a big change as Tessa Blanchard was fired on Thursday night regarding allegations from her over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so big things happening uh, all around the world, and uh, especially in a major promotion like Impact. Uh, lost their world champion, now Michael Elgin. Uh, who knows how many more are to come. The Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast. That wraps up for the news this week. Let's get into the imbecile of the week with Polyester, the evil tailor. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. If you guys don't know how to use a seatbelt, just ring your call button and Tommy will come back there and hit you on the head with a tack hammer. You know, Lloyd, just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber. Here's Polyester, the evil tailor with the imbecile of the week. Some people are really f- Stupid. Good evening to each and every one of you imbeciles out there. Welcome back to your favorite segment of the Ninja Turtle Podcast, the Imbecile of the Week, hosted by, well, me, Polyester the Evil Taylor. So over the last couple of weeks, there's been this cause called the, uh, let me see if I can get this straight here, the hashtag speaking out movement. And uh, apparently on my timeline, this whole speaking out movement is basically going on in the wrestling business where some males I guess or females for that matter took advantage of the opposite sex getting favors I guess to make advanced careers or whatnot. I mean that's my understanding of it so apparently this hashtag speaking out movement was was created and everybody had their stories and and what's hilarious to Polly is there's some people that glom onto this Hashtag speaking out movement to, well, motivate their own agendas. Some people just straight out lied. At least it's been proven that they lied about the situation. Uh, some people exaggerated as far as the extent of the speaking out movement. I mean, there was this one broad that said that she went upstairs with the guy and kind of let him on. And then at the end of it, she said that she consented, but then she didn't want, afterwards, she regretted it and now she's speaking out because she felt that she was pressured to do so I mean I, I think that's imbecilic if, if you lead the opposite sex or the current I don't care if it's current sex whatever floats your boat but if you lead your partner and say it's okay and then go through it with it and then you say that you're not cool with it it's just disgusting as far as Polly's concerned by the way uh, there's a lot of it going on there's some imbeciles out there that want to glom onto it by creating their own, trying to feel victim themselves. They uh, they seek out particular males, 
you know, males that they had a conversation, you know, probably weeks ago. And in general, well, here's the thing. When you have a conversation, a back and forth with anybody, you say stuff, the other person says stuff. If there's a disagreement, I mean, that's fine. You have a disagreement. But just because a person disagrees with you doesn't mean that your particular opinion is the correct opinion and the opposite's opinion is not the correct opinion. There's just a lot of imbeciles out there that just think because they feel that they have the right mentality that their world is the law. Just just because they say it, I mean, that's the way it should be and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And Polly is not about that. I mean, Polly can see somebody's opinion and obviously make a judgment of the person based on that opinion. But at the end of the day, it's their opinion. It's not a fact. So, because of all this uh, hashtag speaking out movement, and because there's imbeciles out there that want to portray themselves as victims, just to have some cachet and use a hashtag to, I guess, advance their followership. So, uh, victimhood person, you will be this week's imbecile of the week for, uh, well, claiming victimhood. All in the sense of, Trying to gain more notoriety, I guess. I mean, that's just imbecilic as far as I'm concerned. But uh, anyway, that'll do it for this week, imbeciles. Give me a follow on Twitter. At the poly underscore Esther. That's at the poly underscore Esther on Twitter. And uh, tune in again next week. Who knows? Maybe you'll be the imbecile of the week. I mean, he's got a valid point. There are reports of many, many people coming out and kind of using the hashtag speaking out movement which is a fantastic movement and, and, and should be uh, focused upon for, for bringing all these horrible accusations and allegations to light and trying to clean up the wrestling business. But people have been using it for their own agenda and for their own personal gain. Um, that reminds me of a tweet that I saw from Holodead, uh, who said, I've seen it said, but we'll say it again. If you're using the hashtag speak out movement, to call out personal vendettas against someone that has nothing to do with the actual movement, please sit your trash ash down and STFU. Thank you again to those brave enough to share. I hope change can happen. They went on to say that it's enough. It's enough trash going around. It's time for change. People need to grow the fuck up and realize when something is bigger than them and take they petty miserable asses the fuck on. So... Yeah, I mean, you're going to have that in almost any situation. Um, just because... And just because allegations are made doesn't mean they're all true, too. I mean, we have to we have to keep it honest and keep it real until evidence actually comes out. Um, you know, we're to assume that the truth is, is being told from the get-go, but we've found in the past during certain situations that not not everything was exactly on the up and up. But for people to really use it for personal gain to to have an axe to grind with somebody else and have nothing to do with the actual movement itself is, is pretty revolting. So, uh, that's a good, good call by Polly on that one. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for the show this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, it is at rad Rob gaming. Check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash rad Rob gaming streaming every Tuesday night, 6 PM central and every Sunday afternoon at two in the afternoon. And check out my, YouTube gaming page called Rad Rob Gaming. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, 
It is at Rad Turtles POD. You can send us an email, radturtleswrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash radturtleswrestling, and our company Facebook page for the R&R Podcast Network. Uh, it is facebook.com slash RR Podcast Network. If you want to follow the RR Network on Twitter, it is at RR Pod Network. We appreciate all of your support. Uh, the Freedom of Fear podcast with Richie Reardon debuted last Sunday. Uh, two very, very good results. And the episode number two is coming up tomorrow, this Sunday, featuring Richie and myself. Uh, so definitely check that out anywhere podcasts are found. And Wrestling Anonymous will be making a comeback soon. We just don't know what's going on with Richie regarding his recording schedule due to uh, what's going on with his mom being sick right now. So we'll keep you posted uh, on our various Twitter pages and our, our company Twitter page at RR Pod Network. I'll be back tomorrow with a bonus episode of the Rad Turtles Wrestling Podcast with my very special guest, Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. Uh, Jason, who's a very, very busy guy, took uh, with all the stuff going on with speaking out and all the stuff that he's got to cover, took a lot of uh, took a little bit of time out of his day to speak with me, which I am always grateful for. He's a good guy. He's a good friend. Uh, and he's a very, very good listener. So check it out tomorrow as a bonus episode, my conversation with Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. And then Tuesday, we have an interview with Al Isaacs that was supposed to happen Sunday. Uh, but due to some scheduling changes, we had to switch things around, but it all worked out in the event. Uh, I was able to get both interviews done. But Tuesday for RTW Rewind will be with Al Isaacs, uh, former co-creator of Smarks and of ScoopsWrestling.com, which all of us went to back in the day, in the Attitude Era days, for our wrestling news because it was one of the very few up there. Uh, it was always very, very honest, uh, and everything was truthful, and it wasn't part of the dirt sheets. So a lot of people look fondly of, uh, of Al's website back then. And uh, Al gives us some great stories, too. So you guys will definitely enjoy that on Tuesday. That'll be 8 o'clock uh, Eastern time as we drop that show every Tuesday and Thursday. Until then, guys, I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll see you back here with Jason Powell tomorrow and on Tuesday in RTW Rewind with Al Isaacs. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the flagship edition of the Red Turtles Wrestling Podcast. Please follow RTW on Twitter at Red Turtles Pod. You can also send us an email at RadTurtlesWrestling at gmail.com. We'd like to thank you for all your support. You've been listening to the Red Turtles Wrestling Podcast exclusively here on the RNR Podcast Network. 